Good Health by Claudia, a podcast with me, Denny Schaefer, a production of Denny Radio. This is episode 17. Yay! Today, you can see we have someone with us. It is Mike Ferner. Mike is the founder of Lake Erie Advocates. He's our guest. We're talking about the health of Lake Erie and the mega farms, negative impact it has or they have on our quality of our water. Mike, welcome to Good Health by Claudia. Nice to see you, Mike. Thank you for being with us. Thanks. Glad to have you. Mike and I go way back. We have a history, which we are probably not going to discuss much at all. Are we, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) Not Not if you value your life, Denny. Exactly. Uh, There's one thing that I really respect about you, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I'm going to tell you now because I've interviewed you a number of times over the years. I have always respected your passion and always wanting to um, just to get the word out about what's really going on around us. And this topic, I know, is so near and dear to you. So where would you like to start, Claudia? Well, Mike, why don't you tell us first about the organization that you started? I think what you're doing is very important, and we're happy to be here with you today to help get the word out. So let's start with Lake Erie Advocates. Okay. Uh, Thank you both. Um, Well, Lake Erie Advocates got started uh, at the end of 2015. We had our first public meeting in early 2016. And uh, really, the reason it started was because in 2015, I decided to make uh, one more highly unsuccessful run for mayor and uh, realized that uh, I had to bone up on what was going on with the lake because I live right on the edge of it. It's my front yard. And I knew there were a lot of these factory farms, but I didn't really understand what, you know, how many and what the impact was. Right. So I talked with some really knowledgeable people about this, uh, Sandy Bin here in Oregon and Pam Taylor up in uh, near Adrian, Michigan, who had been working on this for a long time. And I decided that in the mayoral campaign in 2015, I was going to really push the issue of the lake because not many public officials or candidates were talking about it. Right. So that's one of the things I banged away on. And then after the election, uh, you know, people would come up to me and say, well, you know, what are we going to do about this? And blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I don't know, maybe we should start a group. So we did. And um, we got, we went public in 2016. And um, uh, about a little over a year after we got started, uh, we had generated a fair amount of uh, press about the issue, and uh, it got noticed by this uh, public interest law firm in Chicago called the Environmental Law and Policy Center, and they asked us to be uh, plaintiffs in a lawsuit against the U.S. EPA they were going to file, and uh, we said, sure. So, you know, we got involved in that, and we stayed involved in that for about over four years, we withdrew as plaintiffs, and this is a part of the story, but we withdrew as plaintiffs back in December of uh, 2021 uh, just because we learned enough about how the EPA works and how limiting the regulations were and that we, what we uh, decided was that uh, the TMDL, the total maximum daily load, the pollution diet for the lake that was what we were suing to get the EPA to do, that even a, quote, good one 
was only going to use certain methods to remediate the problem that are called the uh, best management practices that H2 Ohio had been pushing. And they weren't really going to do much. And we didn't want to be part of something that at the end of it, we would have to say, oh, well, we won. Well, what did we win? And is the lake going right. to get any better? So we said, you know, we, we can't still be a part of this because it's a, it's a sham. So anyway, so we pulled out of the suit. But we've been, um, you know, we try to hold public officials account to account. Uh, we do as much public education with different ways uh, as we can. Uh, a year and a half ago, we took out a huge uh, billboard uh, campaign around Toledo, Columbus, and Detroit um, against factory farms. And uh, so we try to keep the issue before the public and and uh, try to find ways for people to get involved because we think it's pretty clear that the officialdom is going to just hang on to the status quo. Right. So it's, you know, it's really important work that you guys are doing, and, and we really appreciate it because, you know, people need to understand Lake Erie is our drinking water. And yeah. if it's being used as a nothing but a dumping ground, a big toilet, where does that leave not only us, but, of course, our children and our grandchildren? It's, so it's a serious issue. So let's talk and about... All, and, all, and all the other species that depend on it, you know? Exactly. It's not just us. Involved. It's all... Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. It's not just us humans drinking out of it. You know, there's yes. a lot of species that have lived there for hundreds of thousands of years. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of these days, maybe we'll learn to live in harmony with nature. But until then, thank goodness there are people speaking up about the issues with it. So, so now let's talk about CAFOs, confined animal farming uh, operations. Um, you and I were talking the other day. So, and, and I encourage people go to your website, get involved. You know, it's a nice website. How many mega farms are there throughout Ohio? Well, we count them in our watershed, which uh, is mostly in Ohio, but uh, part of it extends over to Fort Wayne and part of it goes over the Michigan line, uh, yes. includes a couple of counties in southeast Michigan. Um, so anyway, that's the whole watershed. It's about 8,000 square miles, and uh, there are, well, I don't know exactly, but there are over 800 of these facilities oh. in our watershed. Horrible. Wow. One, just as one example, there's a uh, factory dairy farm in uh, Williams County. 3,900 cows, not the biggest one, but one of the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. And that generates as much waste every year as the towns of Bowling Green, Maumee, Fremont, Sylvania, and I forget the fifth one. But, you know, it's incredible. You know, if the yeah. mayors of those towns were to tell the EPA, hey, we can no longer afford treating our sewage, we're just going to dump it in, on, on, the, on the land. They wouldn't get away with that. But since this is agriculture, it happens all the time. Right. And it's so irresponsible. I mean, it's, it's you know, we're not going to get into the politics of it all, but it's fair to say. I mean, you've been working with you've been working with policymakers over these years. I've been to D.C. many times lobbying for our industry, been to the state house, working with you know policymakers is a very frustrating situation <laughs> because they're going to protect what they need to protect yeah. and instead of the health of the of the people or in the 
all of us, wildlife, animals, all of it. So let's, so let's talk about what's going on in those, in those confined animal farms, because a lot of people are eating what's coming from them. They just don't realize how abusive these, the, this, this way of farming really is. So let's talk about, you know, what they're doing in there. Well, just to back up just a second, uh, the first about three years, a little over three years that our group was uh, together, we focused just strictly on uh, the lake and the water quality, what these facilities were doing to the water quality of the lake. And we tried to stay away from the uh, uh, concern of talking about what's happening to the animals because we didn't want uh, people to say, oh, you guys are trying to get everybody to be vegetarian and uh uh, you know, that's what you're really, you're really, right, which is not true. It's not. And, <laughs> it's not uh, true at all. Just before right. we, we took the billboard campaign out um, a little over a year ago, uh, we made the decision that we're going to talk about the lake and we're going to talk about the animals right up there equal. Yeah. And that's why our billboards had that both of those images on them. So anyway, uh, I'll just give you one example. And if people want to see lots of examples, some of which are hard to see, they can go to our website and on the home page, just scroll down a little bit. And, it's, and there's a section that says, let's all go to the movies. And you can click on that and then it'll take you to five or six documentaries, uh, yes. most of which are filmed um underground uh people getting a job at one of these places and taking hidden cameras in because the public isn't allowed into these places right but let me just give you one example because you're saying what goes on there um chickens everybody pretty much everybody likes chickens just about everybody eats chicken um i just saw a thing yesterday that said a billion and a half chicken wings were eaten during the super bowl sunday Oh, wow. Yeah. uh, It's an enormous industry and getting bigger all the time. Yes. Um, Now, if you are raising chickens for eggs, that's that's one kind of chicken that's bred specifically for that. Right. Uh, Broilers is another kind of chicken, and that's that's different. So if you're uh, in the business of raising eggs, those are obviously all hens. So what happens to 50% of the chicks that get born, and I'm talking about hundreds of millions of male chicks, this happens to every year. They get separated the day after they're born from the female ones and thrown into a, they call it maceration. It's a machine that just grinds them up. Or they get put into a garbage can with big plastic bags and tied off and suffocated. The female ones get their beaks cut off because they cram them into places so And they don't want them to peck each other. Um, And so this is just one example. I mean, you can look through this through like cows, pigs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and, and watching those documentaries, I mean, I, I knew about all this many years ago. A lot of people are just learning about it. Uh, I learned about it before the documentaries were around. The, it's hard to, it's, it's a hard thing to watch. Yeah. It's a very difficult reality to face. And I, like you, you know, we talk about this all the time at the store. We're not advocates of, you know, we, we want people to eat what's in their best interest, whether it's you know, animal or vegan, whatever it is, we just want individuals to be healthy. So we're not advocating being vegetarian or vegan 
either. But it is fair to say these animals are crammed into these closed buildings. There's no, there's no sunlight. There's no fresh water. And they're being totally abused and they're being jacked up on hormones and antibiotics and all these things. So, you know, it's always been important to me, the more that we can help consumers raise their awareness and open their heart and seek out other forms of farming, this is why it's so important. But like we talked about, you know, the other day, you got all these people flying through fast food restaurants like it's no big deal. Well, if you're eating cheap meat, it's coming from these confined animal farm operations. So it's a toxic situation from beginning to end. Yeah, 80% of the antibiotics that are used in this country are in those into the animals that are they're in, in the feedlots, yes. facilities to, to try to keep them from all dying of disease. And, you know, that creates uh, bacteria resistant or antibiotic resistant bacteria and, you know, right. all kinds of problems. Yeah, and it so, affects everybody eating it because now when we talk about fungal overgrowth, we just a couple weeks ago talked about fungal, how prevalent it is, and especially in this culture. Well, you've got all these people eating all these animals that are sickly and loaded up with antibiotics. It's just destroying the flora in the people eating it, plus other things. So, so what? So, in regard to what is the end result happening in the water? So, from the farm. Well, here, can I interrupt for a second? Yes. So, your website is LakeErieAdvocates.org. Yes, sir. Thank That's you. That's your site. Okay, so I'm on it right now. Now, two things are going on here: the farms and they're abusing animals. Then you got all the runoff from all the animals that is making its way to Lake Erie. Right. Right. You're going to have a hard time, and I believe you're going to have a hard time of people to say, oh, yeah, that's wrong. I don't want to eat an animal that's been abused. I think most people are going to do what they've done all the, all the time. You'll probably agree with this. They turn a blind eye because they just don't want to know because it's sad. I mean, this is probably not one of our most uplifting podcasts or Facebook lives that we've done. But I think people can get fired up. But it's important. It is important. It's but, very important. But I think people will really take notice. And this is the thing is every year, every summer, there's there's the algal bloom that is out in Lake Erie and it's you know bigger than it's ever been. Horrible. And it's and it's and they show the map of it and people go, Wow. They take notice. I think people you can get them fired up more about the runoff from these farms that's ending up in our drinking supply that is, you know, contaminating the water and hurting our health that way. And the, and the chemicals they got to put in the water to make it drinkable for us, not saying it's a better fight because they're both equally important, but I think you get people fired up about what the, the runoff's doing to our waters. And every August when the algal bloom, end of July, August, when the mm-hmm. algal bloom reports come out, the thing that I just, I, I face plant myself saying, why are these giant farms allowed to put the chemicals and the pesticides not only in their fields and the things they're doing to the animals? Why are they allowed to run, have the runoff end up into our streams and our rivers, eventually into our lakes? Why is that and how is that legal? Can you well, speak to that at all, Mike? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, thanks to the lobbying um, efforts of the agricultural industry. Agriculture... Uh, was always treated differently, whether it was labor standards, uh, minimum wage, uh, environmental regulations. And the court decisions that came out after the Clean Water Act um, uh, solidified that uh, special status for agriculture so that you had 
uh, a rule for factories and sewage treatment plants that was supposed to apply to these uh, confined animal feeding operations, these CAFOs or factory farms. It was a, it, and theoretically, it does apply to them. But there have been court decisions that have said, well, we're saying that uh, no facility can pollute the waters of the United States. And we know that means factories and sewage treatment plants. But in the case of agriculture, uh, once they take the manure away from the facility and put it on the land, it's no longer a point source. It's no longer like a, a factory uh, discharge or a sewage treatment plant discharge. It's uh, agricultural runoff. And that's, that's how they got around uh, the provisions of the Clean Water Act. And that's one of the, you know, it's just part of the political uh mix so it's so they found a loophole yeah and just because over, over these farms we don't have huge stacks where you can see smoke bellowing into the atmosphere they basically found a loophole we're going to take the cow manure or whatever it is put it in our fields which eventually is going to get to our water it to me it's no different yeah well and you see there's uh i grew up um out in berkey if you know where that is uh yeah. and so when i was a kid i worked on farms and I cleaned out my share of hog barns and pig barns. And in those days, you would go in with a pitchfork and throw it into a wagon that had a little uh, gizmo on the back that kicked it out when, it, when you went out in the field. And it was straw and manure and blah, blah, blah. And, um, uh, but it was not what you got now, which almost every one of these places uh, turns all of this manure into liquid and it sits in these lagoons next to the uh, facility and there's millions millions of gallons of liquid waste in these lagoons uh. and they pump it out and they they spray it on the land and we've got some pictures in our information about this they spray it on the land uh, it's expensive to truck it so they don't want to take it any further away from the facility than they have to. So that means they're going to wind up putting more liquid manure on an area that is uh, smaller than it needs to be. But right. even if they spread it out more, this is the Great Black Swamp. You know, our whole watershed used to be the Great Black Swamp. And uh, ever since uh, Europeans came over here and, and wanted to farm this land, they had to drain the water off. So they put subsurface drainage, they used to be called tiles, uh, drainage under the ground, three or four feet under the ground. And our farmland around here has got the highest concentrations uh, anywhere in the country of this subsurface drainage because this used to be a swamp. So what happens is this liquid manure gets put on the ground, it goes down in, through the ground into these subsurface drains in a matter of minutes. No, and not 100% of it, but as best we can determine, over half of what winds up in the streams gets there through these subsurface drains. So you got some, quote, surface runoff, which is what most people think of, but the bigger problem is what goes into the ground and into these drains and right into the waterways. Right. And so it's it's an industry that has been perfected if, if you can use that term has been developed 
with a lot of tax money, a lot of land grant colleges doing research like OSU and MSU uh, to figure out how to make this industry work better and on a bigger scale. And one of the things they've come up with is, well, let's use this liquid manure. That'll make it easier to dispose of, uh, of what 4,000 cows are going to do every day in this, in this fairly small area. So, you know, it's, it's, just, it's part of a system that we subsidize. And that's part of what we tell people, in addition to be aware of the, the plight of the animals, be aware of what your elected officials are are setting as your agricultural policy because we could be taking these subsidies right going to this industrial model and we could be applying those subsidies to smaller livestock operations that are sustainable that don't have this impact on the environment and and you can get stuff i mean my wife and i go to the farmer's market we get all our eggs at the farmer's market uh, we get a chicken every couple of months, and we get that from the same place. And this is a, a little, it's a, it's a mom and pop operation. You know, mm -hmm. you can get milk from small dairies that don't do what these mega farms do. Uh, and you can't get it easily. It's not everywhere. You can't just go into the major grocery stores and get it, but you can find it. And, we, and we if, have we, if, if we subsidize that kind of farming, you would see a lot more of this. And let me just finish this one thing, Claudia. And people that say, oh, you know, you're messing with uh, people's food supply. You want everybody to freeze in the dark and starve in the dark. Um, well, no, all you got to do is think back to the mid 1990s. Uh, that's when these facilities came into our watershed. Right. Before that, I don't ever remember waiting in line at Kroger's for the next shipment of pork chops or hamburgers or milk. So we were able to feed ourselves and not use this industrial model. Right. And 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 just something I wanted to say is that, you know, it's always been important to us at the store to have clean food in our shelves. So we support a lot of the farms around Ohio and Michigan that are making wonderful products. We sell a ton of eggs and we have, you know, non-homogenized milk coming from Calder Farms up in Michigan. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's in a glass bottle and we have right. wonderful butter and we have clean meat. We sell a lot of meat. And we're very, very grateful for the small farms that are doing it properly. And this is our this has been our message all these years. It's up to the consumer. Find good, clean food. Mm -hmm. And it, it it takes a little extra effort. You just can't yeah. go into a big grocery store and but it's worth it. It's worth it for all of us. And you know, it's it's the there's so many wonderful farms throughout Ohio and Michigan. They want they need everybody's support. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't know they're there. Maybe yeah. that would be a good episode sometime is to talk about the small local farms throughout Ohio and Michigan around us. There's a ton of them. There's a ton of them. That'd be a great episode. You, but the we, other visited, thing we visited a couple of them just to, you know, let them know that we're supporting what they're doing and find out about their operation. Absolutely. But the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, when animals are being raised properly, respectfully, and in harmony, the cow manure from a healthy cow obviously is a very important, it's how they renourish the, the ground, the soil. So we're talking about unhealthy manure because the cows are unhealthy. 
But it's a different story when we look at the family farms, when you have cows that are out grazing. Right. Right. They have fresh water, fresh air. They're eating what they're meant to eat. Their manure is a whole different story. It has beneficial property to the health of the soil. So, you know, we it's teaching people. We just have to make an effort to get back to when things become too convenient, it, it, things become a problem. And look at all the people flying through fast food restaurants like it's no big deal. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's harming them because of what's what they're eating. And they're not considering where did the cheap meat come from? Yeah. So, and even some of these fast food places that claim to have natural meat, you have to wonder. I mean, you see lineups yeah. of cars to get yeah. this food. If, if you're cranking out chickens at the scale Chick-fil-A does or hamburgers on the scale McDonald's does, the only place you can get that much meat is yes. the factory farm. So I, I do think it comes down to the consumer ha taking responsibility for their own health, their own future, the future of their families. And then, thank, you know, we're very grateful you're working with policymakers. It's, it takes a lot to work, to work with policymakers. And to get, but you brought up about the clean, the clean Water Act. Can you talk about that for a moment? Because a lot of people don't realize what that is. Well, uh, Lake Erie figured in the... Uh passing of the Clean Water Act in 1972, I think it was. Um, you'll probably remember that in the throughout the 60s, uh, a lot of people said Lake Erie is dying because the uh, sewage treatment plants were not up to what they should be. Uh, factories were just dumping all kinds of crap into the water. And there was phosphates in the detergent. And those three things were what was the scientific term is eutrophying or aging Lake Erie prematurely. And I mean, there were in our slideshow, we've got a, a cartoon of, you know, some guy standing over Lake Erie that's got the uh, crosses on its eyes and hands folded like that. Lake Erie's dead. Uh, the Cuyahoga River caught fire a number of times. So this is part of what uh, people said no more we can't keep doing this and the first earth day was in 1970 and what happened with lake erie was a big part of the push to make that happen so as usual politicians never lead but occasionally you can get them to do the right thing and they passed the clean air act and the clean water act and what happened for lake erie was finally it was i think into the early 80s before Procter & Gamble uh, uh, in Cincinnati uh, said, okay, we're getting the phosphates out of the detergents. Ohio was, I think, the last Great Lakes state to do that. But anyway, finally the phosphates came out of the detergents. Billions of dollars were put into sewage treatment plants to improve what they were doing. And uh, there was a regulatory uh, enforcement put in place for factories so they couldn't just keep dumping everything out like they were doing. And wow, what happened? Throughout the late 70s and 80s, Lake Erie started coming back. Yeah. You know? And it didn't start having these toxic algal bloom problems until guess when? The middle 90s. Right. When guess what? We started putting factory farms in our watershed. Yes. So... You know, it's. I, I think there's a pretty good correlation between how much crap you put into the lake and right. what happens. 
you know, it shouldn't be a surprise. And God bless the scientists that are making their careers studying this. I mean, that's great. But there's part of me that says, you know, you can study this stuff until hell freezes over. Right. Uh, or you can take a look at this fact that there's 800 of these enormous operations dumping this stuff on the land and say, wait a minute. And see, that's what the, coming up this uh, next Thursday, this coming Thursday at Bowling Green at, from 2 to 4 and 6 to 8, there's going to be public hearings held by the Ohio EPA to ask people, what do you think about the draft uh, plan that we have put out for these TMDLs, and we're we're getting people to go and saying, look, if you don't want to deal with the factory farm issue, and you don't want to reduce the the number of animals or put a moratorium on any new ones, and you think you're going to take care of this problem, you're you're fooling the public, you know. So so don't even don't even go there. Don't even try to say, oh, we'll we'll you know put more buffer strips in the fields or whatever. Uh, we've done the research and we found out that the H2 Ohio programs that we're paying millions of dollars for to put in buffer strips and drainage machinations and uh, no-till farming and cover crops, that when you really look at it, they do very little, very little, and sometimes make the problem worse, believe it or not. So hmm. we're thinking, you know, and this is what we keep saying, you can't fix this industry it is going to ruin the lake and it's terrible for the animals so right. just get out of this model of food production right all right it's mike ferner on uh, episode 17 and the website is lake erie advocates.org all right last question and then uh we'll let you get back with your day in a perfect world what do you want is that or is that too simplistic of a question oh. No, I mean that's that talks about what are your goals and what's your vision here. I don't think it's it's that complicated, you know. Like I said, before the mid '90s, you'd go to the store and you would get eggs, milk, and so forth, pork chops, um, and none of it came from these factory farms. Right. Uh, farms were getting bigger, and there were getting to be fewer of them you know, through the 70s, 80s, you know, that was happening. But you didn't have this enormous industrial model plopped into the watershed until the mid-90s. So to me, uh, the, the best of all worlds would be take that money that's subsidizing these industrial operations and figure out the best way to uh, get that money to smaller farmers who do livestock in such a way that it doesn't right. ruin the lake and it's healthier for the animals and for the, for the consumers and subsidize that, you know, right. um, the, the reason chicken, you can get chicken for whatever it is, a pound next to nothing um, is partly because of the terrible conditions those animals live in. And partly because that industry is subsidized, you know, same thing with, with pigs, you know, we could go into how they live. And the fact that they get, you know, abused and cranked out by the ton. Yeah. Um, and if you raise them in a humane way, yeah, they're going to cost more. So, you know, subsidize that way of doing things. You know, it's always subsidizing the positive things, 
not the negative things, but we're, you know, we're stuck in this, in many industries in our country, everybody's trying to fix the problem, but they're not really fixing it because the money is, <laughs> the money is not, they're, they're making money, they're putting the money in for what they're making the money from. Yeah. So this is why I, again, we appreciate what you're doing. Um, thank you for doing it. Hopefully people will show up to that meeting. Hopefully we can get more uh, people to understand. This is a very important issue. Listen, I think about all the boaters. We live out on the water. And the boaters that complain about the, the, uh, the algae mess, I mean, okay, so if we can get everybody to take a step, yeah. do something positive. And so thanks for talking to the policymakers. We're going to keep reminding people, change what kind of food you're eating, change what, where you're buying it. So put your money into what you want to see, the positive things you want to see. So, you know, I, I a, lot of, a lot of wonderful farms out there to support. Those, and I think those two approaches together uh, can make the difference that we need if people yes. really get behind them. Yes. You know, this is, democracy is not a spectator sport, you know. Right. <laughs> You've got to get involved, man. Exactly. Exactly. It's Mike, so true. We're glad you're doing it because, you know, I don't know the time. So, but that's everybody's excuse. It's like, well, somebody else is going to do it. Well, you're that somebody. So thank you for doing that. But we're going to help. So Good. thank you. We'll get Good. the word out. We'll get All the right. word out. LakeErieAdvocates.org. Subscribe to the newsletter. Mike, good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. All right. So that was uh, – he didn't want to get political and because him and I, we have a you know political relationship for years. But I'm going to get political for a second. Oh, boy. What's really going oh, on here is, is these big mega factories. Yep. And this is just my opinion that they're – paying their representatives in Congress and state legislators uh, at the more of a local level to allow them to keep poisoning exactly our land and our water exactly in hopes that you know people like Mike will just go away right that, that's what they're doing right and it's not about what's best for the people it, you know subsidies we pay some of these big farms money to not grow crops to not do certain things right it's ridiculous yeah if we have farmers that are acting responsible, right. then they should be the ones that are subsidized, not exactly. these giant friggin' mega farms exactly. that are abusing animals. Exactly. And, I, and, and cause the water. Because I, I have watched some of these videos of, of how the animals are treated, and it breaks your heart. Yeah. It just breaks your heart. So. Yeah. There you go. That's our episode. Claudia, what else would you like to say well, uh, before just, I give you the last word? I just want everybody to keep the faith because I'm going to keep reminding everybody, all of us that are putting money into the economy, it's the consumer. It's our money either fueling good stuff or fueling not so good stuff. So, you know, I'm a fan of people getting away from flying through fast food restaurants for numerous reasons, but not that that's the only piece of this, but it's a big part of it. So, you know, Keep working on it, you guys. Just keep doing what you can for yourselves. And again, the more we do it for us, the more it helps everybody else. So keep the faith and uh, just keep working on it in baby steps. We're grateful for all of you. So shine the light, keep the love, keep the faith. Peace. Peace.